Kajal Magazine's culture podcast, hosted by me, Nadia Agrawal, and made in partnership with Erios Network. Hello, Carta Davies, and welcome back to the podcast. We took a little break, don't know if you noticed, but we're back with a new episode chock full of recommendations. Because we're entering a new decade, I invited our producers Aziz and Jivika to join me in discussing some of our favorite books, TV, films, and more from the previous one. Just in case you missed out on some of these treasures, or even if you're in the mood to journey back to a simpler, non-pandemic-ridden time. Let's get into it. I don't want you anymore, but I'm blind. Hey Cardamom Pod listeners, welcome back to the second half of our season. We thought we would kick off this part with a pretty loosey-goosey episode where we just kind of dish on our favorites. We're entering 2021, so it kind of feels like the start of a new decade, and it's a good time to look back on the last five years, the last decade, the last, um, in my case, 30 years of my life, maybe, uh, of the really good things that we enjoyed coming out of the South Asian global creative community, which is just a really nice way of saying stuff that has brown people in it that we really enjoyed and we want to share with you guys. So I have both our producers today in the studio. We have Aziz Adib and Jivika Verma, who are also here to share some of their favorites. Hey, Nadia. Hey, Nadia. Hey, Jivika. All right. I think we should start with movies because that's always where people start and also because movies are in some forms the most superior of mediums. Also, none of my recommendations are that serious, so it's a good place to start, I think. Jivika, you want to go first? Sure. So my, um, I mean, there were a lot of good movies, but the one I picked was actually one that probably, like, no one knows about. Um, It's this documentary um, that I uh, discovered at Doc NYC back in 2019. It's called About Love, and it's directed by Archana Padke. And it's basically, um, I think it's streaming online now on PBS or a PBS tangent site, but it's um, it's this really like intimate and funny portrait of her family life and her household in Mumbai. And she basically spent a couple months just behind her camera filming them. And there's three generations living under one roof. Um, and it's basically like they're all preparing for her brother to get married. So it's a really like interesting structure in which to kind of get a sense of what everyone's like. And it goes really deep into um, the dynamics between the mother and the daughters and the brother and the sisters. And, you know, people keep asking her when she's going to get married and she tries to avoid the subject. But more than that, I think what was really interesting was that um, we really get to know the mom really well. Her name's Manisha. And um, her mom eventually ends up revealing the secret to Archana. Um, that kind of brings them closer. But the mom's story is, I think, what drew me in because she really, you know, talks about her marital frustrations with her husband and Archana's dad, who's, you know, typical, like, middle, like, lower middle class um, Indian husband trying really hard to keep his business going. But, you know, there's, um, you know, things that she's not able to say to him, to his face about how she's a housewife and how she's trying to help, but she can't really, like, do much more than she's doing and how she really wants to be a writer. And so she's writing this book on the side. And yeah, basically it kind of starts off, you think it's just going to be this typical sort of like 
portrait of family life in India, um, and it goes really deep into um, the dynamics and how a lot of things are kind of unresolved at the end, which I really like in general about movies. When things are unresolved, it's kind of like makes it feel real. Um, but um, I think it's just a really beautiful portrait, and it made me miss home because I, you know, hadn't visited in a while. I actually haven't visited since. So um, yeah, I would suggest people check it out. I think yeah, I think you can find it online. That sounds really nice kind of like cozy almost it's funny that like so much south asian literatures or south asian art specifically indian art i would say focuses on the lead up to a wedding it's as if like that's where we see everybody in their true form is like when they're all like clambering all over the wedding preparations so yeah i'll definitely check that out that sounds like fun aziz do you have a movie rack for us uh, I, I have a movie wreck that's fairly recent. Um, so The White Tiger came out almost, what, like 10 days ago now uh, on Netflix. So it's based off uh, Arvin Adiga's book, which, uh, same name. Uh, I read the book a couple of years ago. Loved the book. Um, and It won the Man Booker Prize, if I remember. Which yes, like a really big in deal. like 2008, I believe. So it's it's the book's been around for a little while. I was a bit... Uh, anxious about the movie when I saw that Priyanka Why, Chopra. Why? Because Priyanka Chopra? Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I mean, I knew... No, she elevates everything she touches of these. She makes art. I don't know well, what you're talking okay. about. Well, okay, so my unpopular opinion is that when she's, like, on, she's really good. Like, the ceiling is high, but the floor is really low with her. Um, <laughs> and I guess so we get like Baywatch and then we get White Tiger I didn't even watch like, Baywatch like I like I, I can at this point I feel like it's pretty easy to get an idea of if I'm walking into a Priyanka Chopra movie if I'm gonna just hate it or not uh, just based off of like the premise of the movie because then like she she takes a lot of these like typecasty roles where she's just kind of mm-hmm. like you know there's no like substance to the character but uh, what was kind of nice is in this movie, she plays someone that's not really meant to be likable anyway. So uh, good on her. I think that's some good self-awareness. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> lean into it a little bit. Um, but I, I loved the movie. It's pretty different from the book. Uh, it's I, I would say the, the story is loosely based off of it. And it, it's generally sort of a class, class struggle story about um, someone who's sort of born born with this idea that they'll always be a servant to a master kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for good metaphors, and so there's a whole ongoing metaphor of sort of being in a chicken coop. Um, and f- the movie alone I thought was great. Um, the The director, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's done a couple of, couple of big movies. Uh, I'm just actually just going to pull it up because I have my laptop right here. Um, Fact check on Yeah, I'm just going to fact check live. Uh, uh, Ramin Barani. Uh, so really well-made movie. I I don't think it's it, it's nothing brand new. It's kind of just like a nice time pass uh, getting through. <laughs> would this be one of those uh, ones where you would suggest that we read the book first and then watch the I movie? I don't necessarily think you have to. I feel like they kind of mm-hmm. stand separately. Uh, I think, in, like in most cases, the book was better than the movie. Um, but I thought Rajkumar Rao was sort of the, the main half protagonist, mm-hmm. half antagonist in this, and I'm, I'm a fan of his. But yeah, for me, that, that's been like the, I know it's a, a fairly recent movie, but I have been off my, um, I don't know how we're, how we're defining uh, 
brown represented movies, I guess. But like, this is the first one I've seen in a while where I didn't feel like they were shoving the representation or whatever down my throat and it wasn't mm. really like a pandering character. It was just sort of, this is a great story, takes place in India. Um, I will say a lot it's of the on, dialogue's in English though. It's on Netflix, right? Yeah, I, I believe it's Netflix so, produced. Mm-hmm. So it probably came out of Netflix India, which is kind of like straddling that. They, I don't know, Netflix India is really good at straddling the line between like stuff made for an Indian audience but stuff that can also appeal to a global audience, mm-hmm. I feel like. I mean, I thought Sacred Games did that. A lot of people are watching like Bollywood Wives as well. I, which me we're included. Not, <laughs> we're not necessarily co-signing on. Uh, well, maybe we are. I don't know. I haven't watched it yet to be able to say that, but... It looks I don't like, want to watch it. It looks like the kind of show that I would watch and like I'd binge in like one session um, and then feel sick about after, you know? So I've watched mm-hmm. half of Indian matchmaking and half of the Bollywood Wives show. And that's like one show, yeah. I think the Bollywood Wives show is way more entertaining because it's... Ooh, okay. It's oh, okay. like the energy of Puja, what is this behavior, but spread across, <laughs> what, like eight episodes? Uh. So it's just memes. <laughs> it's like a bunch. It's like meme... It's meme-esque yeah. personality. I'll cook to that show because nothing matters. So if you miss it, it's mm-hmm. totally Truly. fine. Yeah. Okay, well, I have a movie rack that actually isn't South Asian produced or South Asian made. It's called Save Yourselves. It's on Hulu. And it stars Sunita Mani as one of the main characters. And it has a cute little cameo from Zenobia Shroff as well. And it's basically a kind of Brooklynites go upstate to unplug kind of movie, but then an alien, I don't want to actually ruin what happens, but then there's a twist and then shit gets real and it's, it's super funny. It's like exactly the right kind of movie for a pandemic, I think, because like Aziz said, nothing matters. Um, if you guys like, if anyone liked Palm Springs, I think this is a great double feature mm. with Save Yourselves. So it's on Hulu and I totally recommend it. I know what I'm watching tonight. I'm just so glad there's so many like stream like easy accessible stuff now. It just makes my life easier. Especially like I mean you were saying before about like Netflix producing sort of international content for international audiences. I like I find myself watching more and I don't know if it's just cuz I've burned through all the English content at this point. Um but like I've just been watching more and more French shows. I don't speak any French. Yeah, at like all. call my agent, and I like mm-hmm. the hookup plan a Lupin lot. Lupin is fantastic. Yeah. And oh, Lupin, Lupin, yeah. I I can't wait for the second part of Lupin. I I felt like a seven year old kid. I was like captivated in every episode. I have really been enjoying Terrace House as well, out of Japan. So yeah, it does feel like there's such an international quality now to my content consumption. But I think also Netflix specifically has really hatched upon the formula for content creation, which is like, we just want a lot of cheap drivel. Like I love their cheap rom-coms. I love all of their reality shows because it's just for mass consumption. It's not for anything deep. And specifically, I'm really enjoying, sorry, specifically, I'm really enjoying um, shows like Blown Away on Netflix, which are about, like it's a competitive glass blowing show, which... I just I am really into that kind of stuff. So they've you're right. The content during the pandemic has has not actually mm-hmm. gone astray like we thought it would. I want an Indian Love Island so bad. I do not. Yes. That sounds well. Awful. There is there is stuff like that. I mean, um, I grew up watching Splits Villa in India. I don't know if you guys ever watched it, but it was basically an, it wasn't Love Island exactly, but it was basically like yeah, it was a villa. It was called Splits Villa, and there were like couples, and you you know you kind of like. I remember watching it. I actually haven't seen it in years, but um, it was captivating. And I think if they were able to bring something like that to Netflix, 
and kind of put it so that we could all watch it, I think it would be amazing. I mean, I dug up like a Russian website of old seasons of Big Boss or whatever that show was. <laughs> and it's just like... Big Brother? I, I f- no, Big Boss. The yeah. Indian Big one, yeah. And I oh, just yeah. feel like... With the two Bs. Yeah. Oh, dude. I don't know why that makes me laugh every time I see it. It's so, it's funny. so funny. It's such an interesting decision creatively. I just feel like they they want me to put a lot of emphasis on both of the Bs. But in any case... Um, I like watching that was really entertaining and that's with me having no real connection to like these half celebrity characters. So I feel like if they did it again or if they made a version of it with people I actually was f- were familiar with, mm-hmm. I would that's uh, sign me up. I'll I'll like sign up for another subscription. Eros International Plus, make it happen. <laughs> Does anybody have any other movies or should we move on to TV shows? I don't have any other movies. Let's talk about TV shows. So anyone watching anything good? This is a pretty good segue into TV shows, which is our next category. Uh, I have a couple, but I want to talk about Mirzapur on Amazon Prime, uh, which is the most violent show I've ever gotten through in my life. I cannot deal with like gory stuff on TV. I, I don't watch horror movies or anything. But I started Mirzapur during, like early pandemic, uh, I don't know if it's because I've completely disassociated or what, but I don't feel like freaked out when I see it anymore. Uh, but it's just like a good gangster, mind-numbing kind of burn through the season type of show, uh, and I I love the acting. Um, I, I basically I'm here to get everyone to watch season one of Mirzapur. That's my goal think- of this podcast. What do you think, like, show creators think when they hear people talk about, like, oh, this is a good binge show. I watch this and I, like, have it in the background and I'm, like, on my phone. Like, do you think that they feel good about themselves? Like, we poured everything into making this show and these millennial assholes are just <laughs> watching it while they cook. Like, Well, they're on Netflix. I feel like they know what they're getting into. Like, that's how they get their money is because literally it's on Netflix and that's the point of it. You binge it. Right. So, like, they shouldn't be thinking that their high art can go next to Emily in Paris, right? Like, objectively they just can't believe that lie Mm -mm. well i will say though like the thing i love about streaming services is there's always that critically acclaimed (laughs) section oh that's where you can go in and feel better about yourself you know it's like velvet roped off just so you can exactly feel like you're moving to a different part of the site the Mm -hmm. other day i like i i've never seen survivor before and i saw it was on netflix so i like watched three straight episodes and i felt really like gross and then i rewatched spotlight like, I just cleansed my, like, palate completely. That's you know how it I mean? goes. I just was yeah. like, I can't, like, I was like, if I go from this to, like, reruns of New Girl, like, my brain will melt. Mm-hmm. And so then, like, that, I, I feel like that's, like, a regular practice of mine now because, like, over the last two weeks into the new year, I realize I've never really watched any of these, like, great movies from the 70s. I'd never seen The Godfather or anything. Uh, and I just told myself anything before 1995 was bad basically like i won't enjoy the quality of it anything before you were born exactly yeah that's <laughs> wow that's the logic i've been running with up until two weeks ago and now all, like i've just been going through like the filmography of robert de niro at this point mm-hmm. uh, so you need a criterion collection like yeah <laughs> uh, account soon is that what you're saying? i'm i was literally looking at the pricing yesterday for criterion uh but i can't justify it at this point <laughs> 
Well, the library also has a lot. I've realized that there's you a pandemic. You bring up the library much. every time okay, we talk. Okay, I love man. the library. <laughs> More than anyone <laughs> I know. The library has so much stuff. Even, I feel like the Brooklyn Library collection is not that robust. Like, a lot of times I'll look for books and they'll only have, like, the ebook version or they won't have it yet or whatever. But, like, sometimes when you find the exact weird niche thing you're looking for and they'll be like, well, send it to your Kindle. We'll put it in your Overdrive account. You can just, like... Watch it on can you can't watch it on canopy through the Brooklyn Library, but a lot of libraries have like canopy logins. Nadia, for a second, like when we started talking about the library, I was like, is that a new software? <laughs> I remember that. I was like, it's the library. You can it's download like, oh, the library. Okay. Like the actual library with all the books oh, okay, okay. and like the story mm. time and stuff. Someone is gonna rip. Yeah, someone's I mean, gonna start a startup and name it library as a streaming. Service. Right, like yeah. bodega. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> bound to happen. And, like, the icon's going to be, like, those little glasses that the librarians <laughs> wear. So it's authentic, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the library has definitely been getting me through the pandemic a little bit because I can just, like, put books on hold and they'll show up when they show up and I can go pick them up safely and bring them back. And so in sort of one fell move, I can keep money out of Amazon's pocket and mm. also keep stuff out of my apartment because I have I realize I have too much stuff now. Do you guys still, like, own or ever buy DVDs? No. No. I every time I like Do you? uh no, I I I was talking to a friend of mine who just was like bragging about her new Blu-rays and I didn't want to like burst the bubble, but it's I was like, just like not 2005. I was just confused, <laughs> man. Like I was like I'm happy or happy. I just Do you think it's the same as like bragging about like your records and your record Yeah. Not yet. I, mean, I feel like records at least look cool. Yeah. You can like put them on a wall. Like yeah, and they sound, but the, and they do sound like much better. Like the sound, it's like being at a live concert, you know. I mean, I've been thinking about getting a record player, but I don't think I would consider getting a DVD player yet. I think that there are certain DVDs worth owning, like all the extended Lord of the Rings movies are worth owning in a DVD because they, they will never put the extended versions online. There's just like hours and hours and hours of like interview content and bloopers and stuff that yeah. just don't have a place on like Hulu or Netflix because you can watch Lord of the Rings everywhere now. But you can't access all the extended stuff, in which case, you know, that, that triple pack that my dad bought at Fry's years ago is really coming in clutch. I, I, so there's some DVDs. How do you watch it, though? How do you watch it, though? Do you have a DVD? You fold out all the discs. Well, we have a PlayStation. So, like, that. that oh, yeah. I, I feel like I don't know anyone that has a DVD or DVD player. Like they just. Specific mm. ones. Yeah, they just are like, well, I have a, you know, I, I've got a PlayStation, so I just use that. Um, okay, let's, let's get back to this. So I think. We were doing TV shows, and I does anyone else want to talk about TV shows? Yeah, um, I have a TV rec. It's um, Masaba Masaba on Netflix. Um, it's also like another like mother daughter like dynamic. Oh, there's a theme which I here. I'm just like into that. Yeah. Um, but um, so it's actually based on Masaba Gupta's real life and her mom. Um, Nina Gupta and so they basically play themselves in the show but the show itself it's like based on their lives but it's fictional and she's a fashion like Masaba is a fashion designer trying to make it in Bombay and like basically the whole show is about like her trying to get ahead in her career and deal with this boss and there's definitely like romantic like the cliche romantic stuff that happens like there's tensions and it's like does he like me does he not but then there's like you know they very openly talk about sex it's like dating life in Bombay just like contemporary dating life and her trying to find an apartment and not able to find one because she's living alone as a woman who's unmarried and it's less about like marital pressures more about like how do I make it as a successful career woman who's going through this block right now and can't quite figure out like 
how I need to continue dating and continue moving on in my career as this fashion designer. And also my mom, who used to be this famous actress and now is like making commercials and um, they get mad at each other all the time. And, you know, it's just like a really fun show that touches upon a lot of things. And I, I do think it can be cliched in some ways. Um, but I just really enjoyed it as another one of sort of like, you can just binge it in one go. Um, I think they're going to come up with a season two, but it's just like a really fun loving sort of portrait of contemporary life of the single woman who's trying to make it in her career. In is it like a feel good yeah. show? Cause I need that. Yeah, it's definitely a feel good show. I would say so. Yeah. There's comedy. There's uh, some really interesting characters. There's a bunch of stoners, you know, it's great. So I have a movie rec as well. Um, it's, a documentary that's currently streaming on Amazon Prime, and I actually wanted to watch it ages and ages ago when it was sort of making its rounds on Tumblr, but I couldn't find a good link, and then it was finally put on Amazon Prime, and it's called Shalom Bollywood, and it's about the origins of Bollywood cinema and how a lot of the original heroines were actually Jewish. They were Jewish Indians, because at the time, it was considered really, really taboo, extremely taboo, extremely not allowed for Hindu and Muslim women to take the stage and to perform. So Jewish women, because they at the time lived in a much more liberal part of society, were actually able to be the original heroines. And so it tracks their rise in Bollywood cinema and like that early history and how they really paved the pathway for things like the item girl and other sort of fixtures of Bollywood cinema, which we love for good or for bad today. And um, it's just a really... It's just a really thoughtful documentary. It obviously has a lot of care for the subjects. Like they talk to the descendants of some of these women. They have some interviews with some of the women who were part of this time before they passed away. Because um, a lot of a lot of those heroines, those actresses are gone now. So that legacy isn't really necessarily maintained. Uh, they even talked to the writer of the movie, Joda Akbar, because his mother was one of these Jewish heroines. And his father was actually a Muslim actor. And so he grew up in a in a dual religion household and he was inspired by that to write about Jodha Akbar. So there's obviously a very uh, important legacy that these actresses and, and actors have left and were kind of standing on, on their shoulders in a really interesting way. And I definitely recommend it. It's called Shalom Bollywood and it's on Amazon. That's really, I didn't even know that there was a substantial Jewish community in India to, yeah. to like source from. That's, yeah. Well, especially those actresses, not a lot of people know that they were Jewish because they would change their names to something more mm. Hindu-sounding to be more palatable um, to the majority audience at the time. So it's like what we see here as well. Like A lot of Jewish actors will change their names to sound um, more waspish because that's what, what sells, and there's still a lot of anti-Semitism around the world. So it, does, it all, does it go into some of that history of, of sort of like where those communities come from and, and like where they are now, or is it more focused on? Yeah, 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 no, it does. There's actually a lot of towns and villages in India that are entirely or mostly populated by, by Jewish communities. And um, they actually all have very interesting histories, but yeah, how they came to India, like where they came from is, is obviously its own uh, history and they, they do go into that a little bit for sure in the beginning so up next is books and i'll kick us off with fatima Usgur's if they come for us which is a collection of her poems and they speak to a lot of different sort of specifically south asian perspectives or south asian experiences like partition um like all of the violence that happens in kashmir 
um, against Kashmiris, uh, interreligious tension, a lot of Islamophobia in America. There's a lot that, that Fatima covers in this really gorgeous collection of poems. And I really, really recommend it. I think that it's, it's a very complicated read and it requires time and energy to be spent on it, which is something that it's always nice to read something that kind of demands something of you. It's not, unlike a lot of the other stuff we mentioned, it's not an easy watch kind of thing, but I do think it's worth everybody's time. Any other books? Um, I can go next uh, going off of poetry books because I also have um, poets to recommend. Um, there were a lot of books, obviously, by South Asian poets and a lot of poems specifically that got a lot of attention over the last couple years. But these two, I spent a lot of time with these um, um, sort of close reading them for work reasons. But the reason I really like these two books that I'm about to talk about is because I think a lot of the times when we pay attention to South Asian poets, we're looking for them to talk about their identity in relation to South India. And I just want them to talk about their themselves as human beings. Like, And sometimes when poems are done, done well, just kind of talking about something that relates to everybody, like that really appeals to me. Um, and you know, um, so these poets, so the first book is Arrow by Samita Chakraborty. And it's this book where her life and um, you know her having lost her sister at a young age, like all these things from her personal life do come up as do like notes from her culture, but mostly it's just this really beautiful book. It's really lyrical, so it's almost like reading fables or songs as poems as you kind of go through the book. And some of the poems are like really long. Um, so it's kind of like reading this really long poem that goes in and out of dreams and it's very surrealist um, but what she's really kind of talking about is how like pain is this very important part of our life like you almost can't live without it and it's really important to be able to see it in this beautiful way in order to sort of get to the other side and re really that's the only reason we're here is because we're like going as arrows like entangling through all these different ways and um, learning how to be there for each other um, and it's just a really beautiful book and the second book I wanted to talk about is um, actually a book of essays by Amy Nezuk Mutatil, um, and she is a poet. She's um, mixed Filipina and South Indian. Um, and what I really like about her poem, uh, the, well, her poems in general are like really beautiful and almost really funny, but the book, this book especially, it came out last year, is a book of essays just about like how many creatures and like wonders there are in the natural world and um, how when everything kind of feels like it's falling apart around us, like paying attention to the nature um, can really help us connect back to why we're here. Um, and she does bring up some really great stories of, you know, she grew up with her sister on um, the grounds of this like psych psychic hospital because her mom used to work in this psychology ward. Um, and, and how like, even though it's like a weird place to grow up, it was actually a really secure and safe place where she was able to spend a lot of time in nature. Um, in this like gated community and um she also kind of talks about like how connecting to nature and like seeing the sense of wonder in the natural world can sort of help us be nicer to each other and not be as racist or discriminatory because we kind of understand that everybody kind of comes from the ground and it's just a really beautiful book of essays with these really nice illustrations as well um so i would definitely recommend not just picking up arrow and world of wonders as books but just like in general reading poems by Sumita Chakraborty and Amy Nezukumatatel. Very cool. Do you got any books for us, Aziz? No, and now I feel really dumb. <laughs> you need to read more, man. 
I really do. The problem is, is I've just been like, there's just been so much good TV. <laughs> it's not my fault. No, that's real. I think also in the pandemic, it's like hard to make yourself do anything. Like, why do anything when you can just let things happen? Yeah, and it's so much easier to engage with TV than it is with words on a page. I mean, I would also say like these two books that I'm talking about, the reason I spent time with them is because I reviewed them for work. <laughs> like, um, I oh, mean, so you cheated. Also, oh, yeah, definitely. She's double but dipping, pick, man. Come on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But I also like I picked it's like I pick I pitch books to work knowing that I really want to read them for pleasure, but I wouldn't read them unless I had a deadline attached to it. So it's a really messed up way of living. But um it's that or watching uh, something really stupid on Netflix like Virgin River, which I do not recommend at all. <laughs> like, don't watch it. I, I have honestly, like, never been the best reader. Uh, and that's only changed in the last few months because I've been doing, like, audiobooks. So I don't know if that counts mm. as reading. No, uh, it doesn't count. <laughs> I think you have to find the right medium for you, whether it's, like, ebooks or physical books or audiobooks. Or if you buy books or go to the library, everyone should go to the library. It's, it's, you know, yeah. it's up to you. Well, Whatever I, I feel like uh, it's also the, the production of audiobooks, I feel like, has really gotten better in the last few years. I, and I don't know if that's sort of mm-hmm. off the back of, like, the success podcasts I've had. But, like, the, the, the book, the audiobook that got me into audiobooks was that, like, Malcolm Gladwell's latest book because he had produced it, <laughs> like, as basically just, like, a 10-episode podcast or whatever. Um but I realized, um, oh, no, no. I'm not... we're moving on from okay. that. We're not bringing Malcolm right, Gladwell fine, up fine, on this fine. podcast. <laughs> this is a safe space. Um, I refuse to allow that. Sorry. Moving on. I'm glad you're reading, though. Audiobooks are great. Read more, Aziz. Let's move on. Um, I have music up next on my list, and I feel like we've all been listening to some really good music as of late. So anyone else? Want to start us off? I'm I'm sure this is on someone else's list, but Ravina. Uh... I just want to get it out of the way because that album is so. I mean, I all of her work is fantastic, and it's so exciting to see her kind of grow as an artist and, and get a lot. Like I've I have like non like South Asian friends sending me her mm-hmm. music, and I'm like, I already mm-hmm. knew this, man. But it's nice to like have that sent to you and. Uh, also friend of the pod so that's that's awesome too right it's been so funny to have like my baby cousins pop up like Nadia have you heard about Ravina and I'm like yes I have written about her continuously (laughs) she's all over Kajal she was in one of our episodes last season bringing a lot of calm and zen to the (laughs) to the episode Um, yeah no Ravina's great I think what I find most incredible about her is she has such a sense of vision and, like, everything about her feels so cohesive and, like, specific. And she's not really referencing, like, identity and culture in a way that we have sort of become used to in South Asian artists, that, like, they have to use some sort of, like, cultural touch point to, like, make themselves marketable or appealing to different types of audiences. Like, instead, she just kind of is wholly herself, it feels like. And I think that's so admirable. And um, I guess I want to talk about Joy Crooks. Um, annoyingly, I didn't know about her when everyone else did. I kind of found her through Instagram because um, one of my friends shared a video of her singing at her desk, which she posts a lot of, and her voice is just so beautiful. Um, I don't think I've, like, and Ravina does this too, where, you know, they post videos of themselves singing or practicing on Instagram, and it really, like, draws you in because you just get a sense of how naturally beautiful their voice is when they're just practicing. And 
Um, so Joy Crooks is like the singer-songwriter of um, Bangladeshi Irish descent, um, and she grew up in South London. So she talks a lot about. In, I mean, she. I think a lot of her. She got, she became famous because of her singles, um, and her singles are really amazing. My favorite one is "Don't Let Me Down," and um, I think it came out in 2018. Um, and so she talks a lot about like her culture and her identity, but also like her South London roots in her songs. Um, and her voice is just amazing. Like it's so powerful. Um, and she can kind of go on and on. And it's almost like it, it really like I'm kind of surprised she doesn't have an album yet is what I'm trying to say because her she's that good. Um, and even if all you kind of consume of hers is on Instagram, those little videos that she posts, I feel like it just like makes my day. So I would the people demand that. a Joy Crooks album. <laughs> exactly. I have one. I have a music rack. Um, so for many, many years now, I've been following the music of Case SR, who's a classical rebob player. Uh, he puts out albums pretty continuously. Like he's a very consistent musician. He's a great composer. And as someone who didn't really grow up with a lot of Afghan music, it's really nice to sort of have an entryway into this whole world with, with Case's music. And a couple years back, he invited me to the preview of his musical, or a musical that he composed music for called Terror Root from the Earth. And it was one of the most gorgeous things I have ever, ever seen. It's about, um, it's about the ways in which American foreign policy and the American war agenda has affected Afghanistan and affected the people there and sort of the the millions and millions of you know human tragedies that have occurred as a result of American interference in that country and you know that story put to Case's music is just like this unbeatable combination it was it, it hits you in the soul and like it's been years now and it still stays with me just how I felt watching it and I I really wish that it was sort of more accessible to everybody but Something tells me that because it's such a beautiful production that it's not going to just sort of disappear into like the other of, of creation. It's going to it's going to pop up somehow either through a soundtrack that you can listen to or, you know, through um, uh, an off Broadway production or something that you can buy a ticket for. But it's definitely something to watch out for. And that's a uh, terror root from the earth, the musical uh, with music by Case SR. I do have one other artist uh, I want to mention that I've uh, it's an older album it's from 2018 that I have sort of like recently fallen in love with uh, his name's Abi the Nomad he's like kind of mm -hmm. a rapper kind of a singer um, but his album marveled uh, he, has, he has a 2019 modern trash album which I haven't listened to yet but his marveled album I think is a really fun sound it's it's unique enough where like I feel like I know the guy um, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't had any of his sort of singles pop off. But he's also an interesting dude. He's lived all over the world. I believe he was like the son of a diplomat or something. Um, and it's it's cool because he has songs that sort of talk about identity, but it's not this like, it's not like the lame brown dude thing of just like sampling some old song and like rapping <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, like it's not, it's not that, it's, it's just like, it's like cool, man. Like you're still doing your own thing. You're not just trying to pander yeah. and, and and rip off. But uh, he's been someone that I I kind of discovered late. But uh, that 2018 Marvel album is fantastic. Yeah, he's great. Okay, on to the miscellaneous round. This is kind of the catch-all for everything else we didn't discuss already. Uh, 
I have a YouTube channel slash series that I recommend but also don't recommend. I have mixed feelings about it. It's called The Nazrana Diaries, and it's sort of a say yes to the dress thing out of uh, Nazrana, which is like a cultural wear store in New Jersey. Um, I actually have written about it on the Kajal site, which I really recommend because I talked to another super fan uh, about it. And it's, it's kind of a strange little YouTube show. It's a little bit plastic. Like they're obviously trying to conform to a certain formula, which is like somebody comes in to buy a dress, bring some family members or future husband or whatever. And uh, the peanut gallery, which is like, you know, their relatives, their future husbands sort of tell them why they don't like the dress that they've chosen. And they go through a couple different dresses and then they end up landing on one. And uh, it's, it's inter- interesting, I think, just to sort of track what fashion, uh, what wedding fashion looks like, but also like, I love this sort of fake family turmoil and like tension that they create to be able to like justify, you know, spending 10 minutes with somebody about like the dress that they've already bought, you know? So it's, it's kind of funny in that way. And it's just a, a fun show that's like, not, it's a time pass, as Aziz says, it's not really anything deep. And if that's kind of your speed, I really recommend it. And it's on YouTube, Nazrana Diaries. Is there, like, real drama? Like, does it ever get kind of, like, testy? Sometimes you have to, like, really question, like, how real it is. Like, sometimes it feels very, very fake. Like, obviously, people are not, like, they're just regular people. They're, like, random doctors out of New York who came down to New Jersey because their family lives there. Or it's, like, you know, people who just are regular-ass people who are just, like, on this, like, YouTube series. Like, they don't know how to act. So, like, they have a very, like, or they don't know how to be in front of a camera, I should say. So, they have a very, like sort of frigid face like it's kind of unmoving not very emotional but what they're saying is very emotional so it kind of has that weird you know distance uh which kind of creates that like friction i think watching it but um sometimes it does feel real sometimes you're like oh this auntie went in a bit too specific and it's like whose feelings got hurt like what happened off screen like this is a bit much like there's one episode in the first season when they were still sort of testing out the formula where um this mom came with this couple like the mom of the groom came and uh the the future you know the bride was like uh, i don't know if i like this sherwani on on the guy and the mother was like why can't my son look good too you got a dress that makes you look good why can't he look good and it was just like oh <laughs> where did that come from um i just like went on the, the same YouTube time page, it could be a fed line and mm-hmm. i love the the name of this episode <laughs> is the sister really going to make the bride cry question mark <laughs> you have to watch and find out aziz <laughs> um i speaking of youtube um so uh, this this is a uh, definitely something i like stumbled across through like youtube escapism but i came across this cooking channel called rainbow plant life which is a vegan cooking show uh, hosted by Indian uh, American women. Uh, I'm not vegan, but uh, I'm now vegan, which is when I feel like being vegan, I eat vegan. So it's like veganism. Is that what it is? That what it is? Veganism? Okay. Is that because it's like meat vegan? No, or it's because it's, like, it's, it's for like me. me. It's about me. Yeah, yeah okay, it's okay, about okay, me. It. It's Got my it. diet. So it's not, it can't be wrong is basically my approach. But I feel like, Ever, I mean, generally, I've been eating less and less meat and just kind of sticking to veggies. Not like necessarily as a conscious thing. I think uh, 
saving money and just like easier prep and stuff. But I feel like a lot healthier. And so uh, I don't know. It's It's been like fun. I, I also like will watch like cooking videos with no intention of like making certain recipes just because it's like it's the same fulfillment of like watching someone like build Legos or something. I'm kind of like, oh, how's this going to turn out? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love it. It's like very feel good. It's really cheesy. It's just this like this lady and her husband and they make mistakes all the time. Uh, like you see wires hanging and like they don't edit much of it. Um, but it's it's just <laughs> like it's so it's like watching like like I feel like it's like my friend's sister's show or something. Uh, mm. And I'm like. I'm supporting it as a good friend. So, is it like a vlog? Because I watch a lot of vlogs uh, that I don't want to go into right now <laughs> on YouTube. It's and have been watching them for too long, like years, like to the point where I'm like, are they going to get married soon? Like <laughs> vlogs. So, is it like a vlog? Because I love watching vlogs. Uh, there, there. She might have some vlog type videos. I that's not. I haven't seen any of them. Um, but it's oh, so it's not like a what I eat in a day no. slash what I cook in a day type thing. It's like okay. it's very much like this is what we're cooking. This is how we're gonna cook it. Um, well, I don't have any YouTube stuff, but maybe we can like go into Instagram stuff. Like somehow the algorithm dropped um, Rowie Singh into my feed um, a couple of months ago, and she's this like I don't think she's a makeup artist, but she's she's just she's an influencer type person but she just I would call her I would call her a makeup artist but she does makeup on herself I don't I haven't seen her like sell a lot of brands or anything but basically she just posts pictures of herself and videos of herself almost doing cosplay type makeup and it's so cool it's like I've never seen such detailed extravagant designs and it'll be like just the eyes or like just the mouth um and she uses these really vibrant colors. It's like no color or no like accessory is off limits. And what I love about her is that it's, it's I, I feel like I've been trying to get more into like, I don't know anything about makeup. I don't know anything about makeup. I'm trying to get more into like skincare and makeup stuff. So it's just like really interesting to see how she doesn't shy away from anything. And it's not like, like she's, I think of, yeah, she's of Punjabi descent. She lives in Australia, but she doesn't just focus on like Indian type makeup. Like it's not just like, like, you know, the classic Indian influencer where they're like, I'm going to do like bridal makeup and like, I'm going to focus on it. It's not at all like that. I mean, she has a few things like that, but it's very much like nothing is off limits. Mm -hmm. um, and I found it really inspirational. Like, not that I wouldn't walk down the street wearing like yellow eyeliner. I own it. It's just I think twice about it, you know, maybe not in Brooklyn, but like in D.C., I definitely think twice about it. But like for her, that's like the very basic thing. So um, I would check out just like following her because I just feel a lot of joy whenever I see one of her posts and one of her new looks. Um, and yeah. One Instagram account. It's not really an Instagram account. It's a brand. But I found them through Instagram. So it counts. Uh, is Badam. Badam Clothing out of Australia as well. I really just enjoy their perspective on South Asian fashion and like kind of the timelessness of certain silhouettes and how to treat them as art objects. I feel like it's it's kind of like it's a bit like no you know border it's a bit like border and fall esque stuff where it really does treat the medium with a lot of uh, reverence and I just find all of their clothing so interesting especially from an editorial perspective of like what goals they're trying to achieve with each collection and how they make their pieces and what they're pulling from inspirationally and like right now they're not selling a collection at the moment they just have like a kind of 
living art installation on their website, which I also think is really compelling because it's actually about a sort of fusion perspective um, between like the sari and like Japanese design, like classic Japanese design. So it's, I really recommend checking out their Instagram and their website. It's Badam Clothing. Okay, well, that's like a million and one recommendations for all of our listeners. I feel like we gave something for everybody, all kinds of uh, pop culture lovers. And we'll also include the names of everything we recommended in the show notes. So don't feel like you have to take notes as we go. But this was so much fun. Thank you guys for joining me and for sharing some of your faves. Anything to get through the pandemic, right? Yeah, at this point, there's, there's not enough content, so... Yeah, I, I guess I just want to like leave with a brief message about like what it means to be a pop culture lover at this moment and how we really shouldn't be adhering to any sort of standards that we set for ourselves. I think that this time is about survival and art is such a great way to survive. Um, it's really about just finding the things that you like and loving them without any sort of judgment, just loving them unconditionally and enjoying what you enjoy. Don't worry about your brain turning to mush because that's everyone's situation regardless of whether you're watching Love Island on repeat or not. We're all kind of in a holding pattern at the moment. So I would just say do what you do. Love what you love. Make stuff if you can. If you can't, just enjoy what other people have been making. It's all good. The Cardamom Pod is made by Kajal Magazine in partnership with Erios Network. Aziz Adib is our producer with help from Jivika Verma. Our music is by Tasneem from their EP, Just Before the World Ends. Until next time, keep an eye out for evil eyes. Powered by ACAST.